Hello and welcome to Empowering Minds, the Brussels-based podcast from Mental Health Europe. In our podcast series, we discuss all things related to mental health. My name is Jonas Bohr. I am a research and policy officer with Mental Health Europe and your host today. In the past episodes, we discussed young people's mental health, mental health and transparency regulations between doctors and the pharma industry, the use of coercive measures in mental health services and existing solutions, and our understanding of normality and psychiatric diagnoses. If you happen to miss those episodes, you can find them at www.mhe-sme.org and listen to them again. In this episode, we will talk about something that we might not always take into account when thinking about mental health and well-being, and yet is all around us. And yes, you guessed right, today's focus is on the environment. Going into a year of the global COVID-19 pandemic and with collective experiences of lockdown, we might have only just begun to understand how important it is to have nature around us, to spend time outdoors in a nearby park or forest, seeing the ocean and breathing in fresh air. Some might also have taken up home gardening, but more about that later. To understand more about the connections between the environment and well-being, I am joined by three fantastic guests. Karis and Hannah from Generation Climate Europe and Cassie from the University of Maynooth in Ireland. Our first two guests today are Karis Richards and Hannah Harrison. Karis is a climate activist, finishing her master's degree in environment, politics and society at UCL in London and soon to be leading the Interlinked Campaign for Generation Climate Europe. The Interlinked Campaign highlights the connections between each sustainable development goal and SDG 13 on climate action. Most recently, the campaign has focused on the link between climate action and SDG 3, good health and well-being. Hannah is a second-year geography undergraduate at the University of Cambridge and has recently taken over as a coordinator of the SDG Working Group at Generation Climate Europe. In her spare time, she also volunteers as the Publications Coordinator for Climate Talk, a youth-led initiative aiming to demystify climate policy and amplify young people's voices in the fight against the climate crises. Thanks a million for joining the podcast today uh, and having this discussion. I'm very excited. Um, and maybe to start with, um, how would you understand the interaction between climate and environmental issues and well-being as such? So I think it's really complex. Um, I think you kind of have um, the impact of climate change and environmental issues on individual well-being, um, which I think falls on kind of a spectrum from um, really sudden climate change events that have a sudden impact on well-being. And then you have kind of that like longer, longer term, slow building kind of anxiety that comes with kind of worsening climate change. 
But then I also think there's um, like a collective impact on the well-being of society and you kind of certain groups of people so you have like um if you have groups that are maybe who live by the sea and are worried about sea level rise and that's kind of a yeah more of a collective anxiety um i suppose as for me i definitely think there's a direct impact between climate change and mental health humans are you know a part of nature and in something that i was reading recently as part of a um, a unique project is like the biophilia hypothesis, which is basically the idea that humans possess this like innate tendency to seek out nature and to seek connections with the non-human. Um, and you know, having a, like an environment that is well looked after, well maintained, will have a direct impact on the way that we feel. We see that in you know the weather, seasonal affective disorder. We all look forward to daylight savings, right? And you know, sometimes the dark nights and the cold evenings aren't aren't something that we all enjoy. But in terms of climate change, you know, over the course of the last few centuries, we well, I say we in like a general sense, but the industrialized like world have I think we've forgotten about our place in nature. You know, we've made wealth a metric of success rather than the conservation of our like common home and you know this has led to you know deforestation the amazon uh, extreme frequent weather events like bleached coral reefs and loss of biological productivity um and you know as part of nature we're human animals at the end of the day and when we see that nature is being distressed that's going to have ramifications on our mental health and we're going to feel distressed especially when policymakers don't necessarily act in nature's best interests that's only going to compound the way that we feel and so yeah that's as part of nature humans i think will have a like a quite innate and like intense response to the maintenance of the planet generation climate europe obviously you have um you know one of the objectives is to bring in the voices and the perspectives of young people into you know the different policy debates especially debates that go around um climate and environmental issues um at the same time when we talk about young persons that are you know concerned with climate change and environmental issues we often hear the risk of increasing quote unquote climate anxiety um that you know increases among young people what do you think about that? Um, I mean, I think climate anxiety is, I mean, it's not, I don't think it's a diagnosed, like a medicalized condition, um, but I do think it's kind of the name we can give to anxiety that is brought about by um, kind of this like existential threat that is climate change and that we all kind of, um, in, we yeah, we all innately kind of know is happening. Um, and so I think, um, I think for young people, I think they feel the burden of climate change, or we feel the burden of climate change, because it's often spoken about in terms of um, kind of climate change as this like future problem that we're going to have to kind of pick up the pieces um, and, and sort out. And so I think, yeah, I, I think to some degree, kind of climate anxiety or just anxiety is like, is such a normal, um, like human reaction to kind of this existential threat that 
um, yeah, seems to be on the horizon or is even happening already. Um, and yeah, I think climate anxiety is like Karis mentioned, it's not, you know, it's not recognised as a medical term just yet. And I think what makes it so difficult to ameliorate and to treat is because it's tied up with climate crisis and the climate crisis is so complicated. There's no like one like silver bullet that will, you know, um, return us to a time that we weren't set to warm the planet by three degrees. Um, so, you know, things like Paris Agreement reaching net zero, these are like, they shouldn't be treated as um, not ends in themselves, but a means to an end. Um, and to try and, you know, make better the anxieties that we feel about the climate will require, you know, I don't think doctors or uh, scientists involved in the climate are, you know, completely sure about how best to treat young people's um, feelings towards the climate. And particularly, you know, now it's particularly coming to the fore with the pandemic. Um, it's hard to articulate and visualize it, like the way that you're feeling and how, how to best explain that to others. But at the same time, there's the realization that there is a massive issue at hand. Um, I think the more people try to talk about it, the more likely we are to try and find, not necessarily a solution, but the best ways and best practices in which to make ourselves feel, you know, better and less anxious. Generation Climate Europe, uh, again, is a, an organization that formulates a lot of recommendations. Um, what recommendations would you have also for policymakers to take more into account and uh, to care actually about uh, young people's well-being and mental health in this context? I think we definitely need to take into consideration the complexity and intersectionality of how the climate affects everyone because like Karis mentioned earlier, you know, it can depend on location, you know, age, gender, sexuality, uh, race, and these all, you know, need to be uh, attributed for in, you know, how we, how policymakers uh, try to care for young people in terms of climate anxiety. Yeah, and I think that the idea of, yeah, kind of destigmatizing um, mental health issues, I think is really important. I think it's, it's about giving people um, kind of more information and more and with more information you have more power to act and you have more um, power to kind of reach out to um, you know mental health support you have power to reach out to others if you can kind of um, yeah if, if, if you're not forced to kind of retain your kind of your struggle internally and you're able to share it with others and without kind of this fear of judgment I think it's actually a collective struggle I think everyone struggles with mental health um at, to some degree and I think kind of yeah being able for, for policymakers to kind of just keep talking about it I think will really um yeah help people just to feel less um less alone and less yeah um but I also think kind of um for young people in particular I think kind of including young people in politics that's kind of beyond um like a tokenist um gesture and kind of getting young people young voices into politics and kind of um 
able to a, they have a different you know I, I think we probably have a different perspective you know with social media and that kind of angle I think yeah I think young people kind of need to be um, there needs to be more avenues for young people to kind of get into politics and share their um, thoughts. And you mentioned already a couple of things that you you know you do also yourself you know sort of um, you know in terms of going out and how to sort of to to connect more I guess um, sort of and and you mentioned obviously the role that the pandemic has and you know we're moving into I guess um, yeah over a year now that it was declared a global pandemic right um, and I'm wondering maybe in times of this um, pandemic what do you personally do um, to take care of your well-being um, that maybe could also inspire other people that are listening to us? Um, I mean, I can go first. Um, it's kind of a bit cliche, but something that um, I, I try to do something that um, means that I'm physically and mentally engaged and kind of it, will, it leaves little room for me to have uh, other thoughts. I find I love meditating, but sometimes I find especially with everything going on, I, I find it really hard to kind of manually um, kind of push thoughts out of my mind. Whereas something like running, which is, um, I was meant to be doing a marathon last year, but that's not happened. Um, so I, I'm still, still, still training. Um, but I find that the act of running, it kind of, it, yeah, it forces um, other thoughts out of my head, at least for the first couple of kilometers and kind of gets me into like that meditative state. And then I'm able to kind of process all those things um, that have been going on during the day um, and I'm also able to just to be outside um, which I think is so important during um, the pandemic um, so yeah it's a bit cliche but running is um, yeah really important for my mental health. Yeah my answer is quite similar actually um, so obviously as a student currently I'm spending quite a lot of time staring at my laptop screen and um, going through lectures doing reading having supervisions um, so getting outside and going for a walk, you know, just, just once a day, in the middle of the day, um, really divides the day up. It's very easy for the days to just blend into one uh, because of the pandemic. Uh, so that's what I enjoy. I live in um, a little village in the north of England, which is quite, quite nice to walk around. There's a nice river, so I like walking um, next to the river and seeing all the, the people who live, that live around me. Um, but also a second thing that I really enjoy doing, um, it's quite paradoxical really, because as, you know, as borders have been shut and people have been barred from moving, um, I've had the opportunity to, you know, meet fellow, um, young people involved in, you know, the climate movement through GCE and also through Climate Talk, which is this uh, youth-led organisation I'm a part of that aims to demystify climate policy and we have you know fortnight fortnightly zooms where we meet and just chat about you know things that interest us and i think if you can get into these groups uh where you have like this common understanding this common shared belief be it about the climate or something completely different um it can really help you know, seal the connection between you and another person uh, you or you and another group of people and you know it's obviously in complete antithesis to what the pandemic is currently you know preventing us from doing but 
it's I, I found that it's really helped my mental health just to meet new people ask them about you know how are you getting on what is it like in such country um how are you doing and you know reaching out and seeking those connections has really you know made me feel less alone even though i've most of the people at generation climate europe and at climate talk i've never met in person and it might be a while until we ever do but even still i would still call them my friends and they've been quite a key a key reason as to why I've been able to maintain like a positive mental health structure over the past 12 months. Yeah, I think it's pretty amazing that how many, um, how many groups have kind of sprung up during the pandemic. Cause you know, we have this group that's like so international that um, even locally, um, I have there's like uh, where I live is in, in Wiltshire and that we have the Wiltshire Climate Alliance and there's so many different people from so many different backgrounds. We have people as young as five and people as old as like 80, 80 something. And we all talk about climate change and all talk about what's going on in our local area. And it's just, yeah, it's so, um, it makes you, it kind of restores your faith when you're feeling a bit down, just being able to talk to people that care about the same things as you and are just as passionate about the same things as you really, yeah, I think it really, um, like it make it legitimizes your own feelings, but also um, kind of, yeah, you can share the the weight of the the problems. Our final guest today is Cassie Murphy. Cassie is an environmental psychology PhD researcher at Maynooth University, working on the Horizon Twenty Twenty project called Go Green Roots. Cassie is interested in the well-being benefits of being connected to nature and the natural environment. Having grown up on Valentia Island in the southwest of Ireland, she's no stranger to nature exposure and the benefits of spending time in this environment, especially during the pandemic restrictions. Okay, so thanks a lot for joining today. Um, and maybe to start with um, last year, you started a survey to find out more about people's opinions and attitudes about nature, the environment and sustainability, um, especially in the context of the global COVID-19 pandemic that we're still sort of living in today. Um, could you maybe tell us more about the survey and why did you decide to launch it uh, in first place? Yeah, of course. So uh, mainly from personal experience. So I lived during the pandemic on an island in the southwest of Ireland. And in Ireland, we were very restricted to having to stay within five kilometers of our home. So in cities, five kilometers from your home mightn't actually get you anywhere close to some green space. And I had been living in Limerick prior to the pandemic and I was lucky that five kilometers got me to the nearest park, but for other people, it definitely wouldn't have. So I had noticed a lot of people at home started going out on more walks that they wouldn't have gone on. Where we lived is a very tourist focused area. And during the summers, we are thronged with tourists. They're absolutely everywhere. And we don't get to enjoy the natural space as much because there's it's really busy there's always people but strangely enough the pandemic gave us a chance to get back out into nature I swam for the first time I'd say in maybe 
four or five years. Um, so I guess from my own perspective, I was interested in it to see, was this just me because I was back at home or was this something else everyone else was going through? Because the stress of the pandemic alone meant people needed an escape. We were always inside of our houses. We were in front of screens. Like even at the moment, I saw someone mention to me that we go from spending our day in front of our medium-sized screen to relaxing in front of our small screen. And then in the afternoon, we sit in front of our large screen. So we're just going from screen to screen to screen. So we were approached by another Horizon 2020 project leader, um, Mario Balzan, who's running the Renature project in Malta. And he had kind of suggested that this was going on in Malta. He wanted to look in further into it. Would we be interested in pairing up and taking a look at what was going on? So the survey kind of focuses on Limerick, Cambridge, and then Malta. But we're looking at all over Europe. Everyone's welcome to take part. But they were just the four that we had partners in. So we were like, we'll just focus on them. So it looks at people's experience within nature before the lockdown, during the lockdown and after the lockdown. Obviously, for some places, the lockdown is still happening, but we did have brief periods where we were left out of the confinement and we were allowed to go further than five kilometers and experience nature a bit more. We look at what people did in, in nature. Why did they go out to nature? Um, we also look at their well-being. So we use the WHO5 to take a look and see how they were feeling. We also looked at how connected to nature they were um, and then their environmental behavior. So what, what were their, not even their recycling habits, but how aware were they of their behavior um, towards the environment before and after? And if there was a bit of a change, because there, there's research out there that proves the more connected you are to nature, the more likely you are to recycle at home or you know, make more conscious choices in your clothing. So it was just mainly out of personal experience and interest, really. Thanks so much for sharing that already. Um, and you mentioned that the survey is still ongoing, right? Yeah, it's, uh, you can still find it. You can either look at Go Green Roots or Renature's Twitter pages and it's easy to find there. We'd love to have more participants, more voices heard. Wonderful. And I think we'll also add it to, to this podcast um, in the description. Um, and since the survey is still going on, um, I know that probably you, you know, you're going to still dive into the big analysis but are there maybe first takeaways or first impressions that you can share from the survey already? Something that comes to mind? Yeah, definitely. Um, one of the main questions, we left it as an open question, and it was simply, why did you visit natural space during confinement? And there were some really interesting answers coming through already. There was obviously the main ones, like for the mental health benefits, or get a break from working at home, get out of the house, for a lot of people as well, just take the kids somewhere so they weren't running around and screaming while you're trying to be in work calls. But then there were some like to not have to wear a mask um, and to connect with nature because they've no access at home to any natural spaces. So they had to leave their house and find that. 
And I think there was a very interesting one, um, which was someone wanted to escape the construction that was going around or going on around them. And when they went out for their walk and tried to access nature, they started to notice that there was construction going on everywhere. And then they started to get frustrated and angry because they were finding it more difficult to go out and find this green space because everywhere was built up. And the higher you build um, the buildings, it's going to be harder to find the small little spaces that are green. You can't see them. They're not easily visible. And then they even said that they had to leave because they heard gunshots and then their safety was at risk. So I found that was really interesting in the middle of all these people saying it was just for mental health benefits, just to escape. Then there was this one person that was like, it was difficult. We needed, we, we just couldn't find it. It was frustrating. Everywhere was built up. So that's kind of one of the main things that we've seen so far in the uh, study. Obviously, we haven't analyzed it to look at pro-environmental behavior, people's level of nature connectedness, but even just the reasons people were going out into nature, like they're vastly different, but I think it's all stuff that we can relate to. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And I believe also the reflection on just accessing nature, right? Especially when there's a shared experience of, of lockdown measures, of being at home and sort of, yeah, trying to, to get out of that space as well. And so I'm wondering, but how do you think will maybe people's attitudes um, change uh, attitudes about nature environment um, in the future? So beyond the COVID-19 pandemic, um, when, you know, things will be opened up again, um, what many hope for, I guess, um, uh, in the course of, of this year, what do you think are sort of more sustainable changes in attitudes? I think for a lot of people, they're aware of the benefits nature has for their well-being. But I think people often get confused between being connected to nature and spending time in nature. So spending time in nature, it has positive effects for your well-being in terms of your emotions and you know, short-term benefits of feeling good. Whereas actually being connected to nature, it has more of a benefit in terms of functioning well and you know having more control over your life and just feeling like you're able to tackle the world that kind of feeling that we all strive for um and then it also has the benefits of pro-environmental behavior if you care about the environment and if you feel connected to nature you're going to want to protect it the amount of people i've seen that have started gardening during the pandemic. It started as a hobby, but now it's something they care about. You're seeing this small little plant that you saw as maybe a seed or a little bud is now blooming and it's a living thing. And people are creating that connection to, this is more than just something that we pass on our walk. So I think it is bringing people back to the kind of natural space and they are going to seek out nature a lot more. They're going to want to spend their time in nature um, it was also that safety element for people during the pandemic. We were told not to meet up indoors. We were told to meet our friends and go for walks. So there's also that social element that I don't think it's going to leave. Maybe in certain countries when it gets a bit cold, people won't be going for walks in the snow. But I don't think that people have found 
their safe space in nature. I think that is going to live on. Hope I hope it's going to live on. Um, I know for me, it definitely is. But I think as well, even in the during the pandemic, we lost social elements. A lot of people genuinely couldn't meet with friends. Um, maybe they had friends working in hospitals, working as doctors or nurses, and they couldn't be exposed because of the virus. And nature was almost that buffer in between where the nature was your social companion. Like there was people, I think nature goes beyond the trees and the flowers. It goes to the animals. If you have a dog at home, you're connected to nature, but they're an animal, they're part of nature. So I think people's opinion will definitely change. Their attitude will change. And I think we will start seeing a more pro-environmental behavior. People will want to protect the earth that help them feel safe during one of the toughest periods of their life. Thank you so much. Yeah, and I can relate to many of the elements that you touched upon, um, especially the, the home uh, gardening, actually. Um, I'm very proud of my plants at the moment, so I hope that will be the case also in the next months. Um, I've heard a lot of people say that they'd never thought of gardening before, and people bought them um, gardening kits during the pandemic. And it's nothing, they, they would have never considered it before. And now they've got little gardens on their balconies and it's their most prized possession from the pandemic. Absolutely. I, um, yeah, I usually uh, do the Saturdays I do, I use for home gardening sessions so to, to plant more. You mentioned at the beginning already a uh, project under which also the survey is running. Um, which uh, is the Go Green Roots project. Actually, Go Green Roots project, uh, Mental Health Europe is uh, also part of it. Um, maybe could you just briefly explain to us the, the goals of the project, the objectives, um, and especially with regards to well-being, um, mental health and the environment and nature? So I'm doing my PhD as part of the Go Green Roots project. And Go Green Roots is a 10.5 million EU funded project that's really focusing on reconnecting people with nature and helping people find how nature can help them improve their health and well-being. So we're looking as, at well-being and health as more of a holistic view, that it's not just your physical health and your mental health. It goes as far as like what you're eating, the environment around you, how you're sleeping. It's a lot more than just the basic, how's your mind? How's your body? It's everything that's in between. It all makes up how we function daily. So yeah, Go Green Roots is looking at this from a green point of view, how it specifically looks at urban cities and how implementing more green infrastructure can help people function better. So my project in particular is looking at this idea of nature connectedness and specifically urban nature connectedness we're trying to be more inclusive even thinking of my own experience I'm I feel really safe in the wilderness and being outside in vast green areas or like living on an island there's cliffs over the sea everywhere and I feel safe in that environment but if you told me to like maybe early afternoon to walk into an urban park I wouldn't feel as safe that's not my natural environment 
But for other people who grew up in cities, they rather be in that urban park environment. If you told them that they had to go for a walk in a forest, they wouldn't know what to do. It's not safe for them. So we're trying to help people reconnect to nature to make it safer for everybody. And also to let people know that there's there's loads of different types of nature. It's not just simply the green outside. We're working on elements of virtual reality. So people who can't actually go out to the green space and like actually be exposed to it, which we saw a lot during the pandemic. There was a lot of people for health reasons couldn't actually go outside. So we're bringing nature back to them. We're doing it in a digital element as well. So we saw a lot of the streaming services online. They started bringing out more nature-based um, documentaries. And that was another way for people to connect with nature. So we're just trying to bring it back. We know it's not going to be for everybody, but we're going to try and make it for the majority. That even if you don't want to engage with it, that you have the opportunity to engage with it. So it's just helping people feel like they can form that connection and that they can get the benefits from that also. If you want to know more about the different uh, topics that Cassie and I were discussing, feel free to look into the description of this podcast. Also at Mental Health Europe, you will find more information about Gogin Roots, about the project they're running at Maynooth University, the COVID-19 survey, and also, if you feel like it, to relax and um, click on one of those videos that they developed um, walking through a forest and um, yeah, being connected to, to nature. And at the end of the podcast, let's take a quick look back and draw some key takeaways from the discussions. For me personally, there are three or four points that I have in mind. In my discussion with Karis and Hannah, they pointed out the human's innate tendency to seek out to nature and to connections within the environment. So an environment that is well looked after would also affect our well-being. We also discussed the need for policymakers to show clear commitments to tackling climate and environmental issues to seriously respect young people's mental health. When we see that nature is distressed, we become distressed too. Young people's voices should be systematically included in political decision-making to bring in their perspectives and views. In the second talk with Cassie, we discussed the survey on COVID-19 and its mental health impacts. The survey shows that in times of lockdown, people actually reconnected to nature, but also showed a certain reflection process examining access to nature in their immediate environments. And beyond the COVID-19 pandemic, it seems that the reconnection to nature and realizing the benefits of being in nature will last and sustain over time. In fact, we can assume that once we reconnect to nature, uh, we start caring about it and thus also want to protect it in the future.
On this more optimistic note, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you and goodbye. Thank you so much for joining us today uh, on the podcast. It makes me want to go out uh, immediately. Um, so I'll be doing that very soon, um, especially because there's a sunny day in Brussels, which is not uh, always the case. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is obviously the project as a whole. We'll be trying to make that more accessible, bring in more nature-based Oh my god, my brain stopped. Nature-based solutions. I tried running uh, as a meditative form, but I'm not very good at it. Um, but I actually started, um, I mean, I did cook a lot before, but I, I do it much more actively now. And I think one factor for knowing if it is meditation or not is that you lose a sense of time. And I do lose a sense of time when I cook. So it's, it takes sometimes a couple of hours and I only realize afterwards how long actually I've spent time in the kitchen.